With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It will appeal to Shannon Gill, our Know Your History segment, but this will really appeal to the cricket fan in his heart. Shannon, welcome. Good morning, Jared. Yes. I mean, you're very happy, of course, but um, this was a, it was a bit of a, it's a turn up. I, I think when people did the numbers, they saw that, hang on, Mitch Marsh could win this, but um, it's certainly got us thinking about what sort of comparison there is. And I can't think of a sporting comparison in Australia anyway, that, matches the the Mitch Marsh career arc. So you've stretched. <laughs> I I love this as a preemptor. Go on. I yes, I, I had to think outside the sporting sphere and the best I can come up with is John Travolta. Now just yeah, hear me out. Go here. On. Hear me out. So John Travolta in the 70s, welcome back Cotter into Saturday Night Fever. Biggest star, almost the biggest star on the planet through the 80s, a punchline to a joke. Nothing crickets nothing and then in the 90s he, he he gets that role in pulp fiction and becomes an a-lister at the in the most unlikely circumstances so mitch marsh equals john travolta i don't know he did mention a, he did mention being on the dance floor at his he speech. did these are the pulp fiction years <laughs> yes. i do rather love that that the wave i think we had a great call a little earlier on saying that mitch marsh and travis head those are the figures that are reconnecting him to the yes. cricket team, the echoes of what it was like yeah. in the past. So not not just the heroes, but the, the lovable, roguish characters. Yeah, it's got a very sort of late 80s, 90s feel. It's got a booty and a, and a Jeff Marsh kind of feel about it, hasn't it? Yeah. I thought the, the night found its place. Maybe it's because Mitch won it and yeah. produced that speech. Sort of has never felt better placed that... It, it's sometimes some people deride it, but yeah. a sport and a national team must have its culmination moment. So I've never understood the resistance to that at the disparity of winners. So um, Pat Cummins has just been the international cricketer of the year. So Garfield Sobers trophy, highest honor in the game cricket test cricketer of the year was Usman Khawaja last night, game mm. by game. So this is where it has the Brownlow quirk to it. It's not a, a accumulation opinion, accumulative opinion. It's a vote by vote. And Nathan Lyons, the Test Cricketer of the Year, and Mitch Marsh, as you said, it once Ben Horn studied the numbers, yeah. I never even, I didn't realise that was what was going to happen. And then he wins in a landslide. Well, I was, I was in a, in a meeting yesterday morning where, when it was being discussed. Ben, ben Horn's article was being discussed, and I think we had eight guesses before we got to Mitch Marsh. Yes. So that's that just shows. I think when when the Alan Border Medal was first conceived was in that sort of. Um, that period of dominance of Australian cricket with, with superstars everywhere. And it could be any one of eight or nine people win it, which, which made it 
you know, special. Obviously that changed over the course of, you know, not, not everything runs like that the whole time. So that's changed. Um, but, but yeah, in this circumstance, a world champion team, we do need to, we do need to have an awards of some description. It's just that the, the concept has been, has over the years been sometimes thought to have been irrelevant. But I, I mean, I kind of used to like when they'd trot out the Brownlow kind of voting with percentages yes, and so forth yeah. that nobody could understand. It was actually one of my earliest jobs at Cricket Australia was media managing the Allen Border medal. And that was, that was a bit of a challenge at times <laughs> to try and explain to people what the hell the voting system Did was. Did you master it? I wouldn't have said I mastered it. I, I think at the, in the finish, I was, I was in a lockup room <laughs> giving people the results before they, before the results were, were uh, announced and, uh, and just making sure they didn't get out and, and tell people who'd won already. What, what's next for Mitch? Sort of, we'll bask in this moment. So he's 32 and I did ask him, did he wish this had happened in his mid twenties? And to some degree, yes, but he said he'd change nothing of his journey now. Yeah. So it just... Just let the mind wander as to what comes next for him. It, it is a difficult thing. If you think back to, he was anointed as a 19-year-old. He was going to be the future of Australian cricket. And that's that's part of the reason why he became um, a figure of derision at times, because it didn't pan out that way at that time. You'd think, and it depends. I mean, does he does he give up bowling at some stage? And just play as a bat. Does that prolong his career as a? And that's not probably going to work in the current test setup. Well, if Green stays in the mm. team, it probably does well, because he he'll bowl in behind Green, and we got a little yeah. taste of that at the Gabba. Is when they needed the extra quick Green bowled ten overs and Marsh bowled none. So do they trust him to be? Uh, you know, but yeah, Green at four does. You know, so I think it almost depends on the success of Green. Yeah, as which which is weird because previously it was saying, well, we can't, play, we can't play both together. Now here's a situation where his longevity may depend on green success. Oh, the irony of that. Mm. How long, how rich a part of our sporting language do you think I'm a bit fat at times and I love a beer will be? <laughs> That's yeah. just going to be adopted yes. everywhere. And it, and it shows that we still connect with those types of, of, of people and, and, you know, I think credit to the the, the coaches and the, the system that's that's allowed that, which might not have allowed the resurrection of Mitch Marsh um, in the past. My, the great unanswerable question of this generation is going to be, what if an Australian setup had shown more faith in Glenn Maxwell yeah. and presented those opportunities in test cricket and the like? And now we've got our answer with Mitch Marsh. Yeah. Um, is a bit of a lot of faith and a lot of belief goes an incredibly long way. Yeah, yeah, and it, it I think the, the the Cummins and McDonald regime has been spoken about a lot. But I like the fact that for for the criticism they get from the old school, they don't react to the criticism at all. They let it wash over them, and I think that infuriates the old school even more. But the results are there. And even this last test, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this in a second, but there wasn't the, the pall of disaster that sort of can often uh, cloud, a, you know, an Australian loss it can be, a, can be you know, an absolute disaster in the, in the cricket world um, and from fans, from coaches, from players. 
it wasn't. It wasn't a disaster. It just had that, I don't know, had perspective that we haven't always had. Thursdays is Know Your History Day with Shannon Gill. And to set the tone, it's from the moment I saw you walk in, I knew where we were going here. You are wearing your? My West Indies World Series Cup shirt. This is, well, sorry, it's not mine. It's my brother's, yep. which I will, it's, it's actually his. And I went and picked it up last night because I wanted to wear it in today because he is a genuine West Indies supporter. So this is the, the obviously we can't see it, but the, it's the the barcode um, version, if you know, if you know your World Series Cup uniforms, it's it's the West Indies barcode version, and he is a genuine West Indies supporter. Just as I know a lot of people who genuinely barrack for the West Indies, and they are very happy this week. So this is a, it is a phenomenon here from when we were growing up that the West Indies would terrorise Australia, and sometimes beat Australia senseless, mm. and yet the more they did it, the more affection they garnered the more support they had, which I don't know whether there's another team on these shores in any sport that's ever been able to do that. No, not, not at all. And I think, yes, they, they beat us up for, for such a long time, but they were, they were here so often. Uh, and that, that, you know, breeds familiarity, but, but I think when, when Australia wasn't beating them, you couldn't help, but then sort of, admire and fall in love with them. And, and I think that is something that for the last, you know, 27 years or longer, we've all kind of craved that, yeah, we don't want to get beaten up by the West Indies, but geez, they're good to watch when, when they're going. And we haven't had that. And there's been a hole in cricket. Well, that's, that's, that's been the case. So the great social study of the week was, was it unpatriotic? to barrack for the West Indies on Sunday, but it's a much more nuanced conversation with that history. Yeah. So you think it, we, we actually, we actually spoke of this, this, the 1960, 61 series of, um, which is the tight, what the tied test series. So West Indies and Australia tie in the first test. Now that was seen as a savior of test cricket. So the Australian public came out and, um, farewelled the West Indies like they were their own. So they were the most popular team to have ever toured. And that, I think that held a place in people's hearts for a time. And then we get to World Series cricket, which happens a little bit later on. And the West Indies are part of World Series cricket. Um, Kerry Packer gets them in. And then from that point in time, you know, and I think it's on record, Kerry Packer thought, he loved the West Indies. He wanted them to be there the whole time. So when cricket um, unifies and, and Packer has a, a, an absolute stranglehold on the way cricket's run, the West Indies are, there, are here all the time. So the next 16, if you include the World Series cricket for 16 summers, the West Indies were here playing either Tess or ODIs or both 10 of those summers. <laughs> 10 of the 16 which is, summers. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. But it's why I think if you're not of that generation – and you didn't discover cricket during that generation, like I think both we did, yep. you might not understand or, or cannot see the fuss of why we all bang on about, oh, the West Indies would be, you know, the West Indies being great would be great for cricket. That was, they were almost Australia's second team. Um, and, and for some cases, their first team. As I said, I know lots of people that barrack for the West Indies. Have you picked some touchstones through those years? Yeah, yeah. 
So I think clearly, I mean, this is a stat that's trotted out a lot. They didn't lose a test series for 15 years from 1980 to 1995. It's, we've heard that a lot, but, to think about that, to think about it in the context of what Australia has achieved this year. So World Cup champions, World Test Championships, Test Champions, but we've lost a series in India, we drew a series in England, and we've now drawn a, drawn a series against the West Indies. West Indies didn't lose one for 15 years. Yeah. That is incredible. So the... The, the year I look at, 1984. So this is 40 years ago now, long time ago. Makes me feel old. Yeah, <laughs> but, you, but you would remember this. So this is the calendar year the West Indies had against Australia. Right, so this is all against Australia. All against Australia. Yep. Yep. The West Indies come here to play in the World Series Cup as the third team. They win that. Six wins, one loss, one tie against Australia. For that World Series Cup. Then Australia goes over to the West Indies for a test and ODI tour. I think it's 3-1 in the ODIs. It's 3-zip in the tests. Two of those tests is Australia hanging on grimly in the final overs to avoid defeat. So it could have easily been 5-zip. Quirk of fixturing. Then the West Indies come back to Australia later in the year. I mean... No wonder Kim Hughes kind of <laughs> lost his, lost the captaincy or, yeah, or yeah. resigned from the captaincy. And so in the calendar year of 1984, they win three more tests and a draw against Australia. Australia finally gets a win. Um, I think the, the match started in 1984, but finished in 1985, if that makes sense. Is that SCG? SCG. Yes. The Alan Border yeah. test? Uh, no, no, it was the, it's similar. It was um, Bruce Murray, Murray oh, Bennett, I think, Bennett. and Bob Holland. So across that, across that calendar year, the results in that calendar year, West Indies played Australia. West Indies won 15, had two ODI losses, three test draws that all could have been lost, like West yeah. Indies wins, and one ODI tie. It's the greatest domination of all time. And then just, just, just to throw this in, in the meantime, during, in the middle of all that, they went over to England won the test series five nil. Oh, <laughs> so it's probably the greatest year of cricket yeah. ever played, yeah. but that's not only were they for them to do that and demolish us like they did for so long, but for us to still have a love for them, there's serious charisma going on there and serious admiration of the way they play. You know, like at the end of that, at the end of that summer, Bob Hawke gives Clive Lloyd the order of Australia. <laughs> Thanks for, for thrashing us over the year. <laughs> <laughs> and and unlike the 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 Tony Abbott um, Prince Philip situation, we loved it. <laughs> oh my! All right, the nostalgia that is contained in one day internationals, which that's what gets unleashed tomorrow. So for a couple of summers, as we've tried to, well, we thought we were making do. Mm. Um, it's we've sort of talked a lot about it through the prism of test cricket and yet so much of it lives in vivid color and that's mm. what's at the MCG tomorrow. So we'll pick up the nostalgia, the, the key moments of West Indies ODIs in Australia as we set ourselves for the MCG tomorrow. The full call is here on SEN. Adam White, John Donoghue, Damian Fleming and Darren Berry from 2pm for Henley Homes. Henley paying $1,000 a month off your home loans 
for two years. And I know a lot of you are going from the messages that we got yesterday. And while, you know, 30 odd thousand was being depicted as a, a small crowd, I think that's a, that would be a great crowd given where we find ourselves. Melbourne's weather, partly cloudy, a top of 25 this summer. Be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Know your history. Shannon Gill is in the studio. Just before we go to the ODI heritage, um, we just had a request. Just give us the quintessential 1984 West Indies team. This is the 1984 team that came to Australia and dominated in test cricket in rough batting order. Desmond Haynes, Gordon Greenwich, Richie Richardson, Larry Gomes, Viv Richards, Clive Lloyd, Jeffrey Dujon, Joel Garner, Malcolm Marshall, Michael Holding, Courtney Walsh, 12th man, Roger Harper. Was, was always the 12th man Everyone who would come on the field because he was a great fielder. Oh, wow. Everyone an icon. And even the, the batting order at that stage, the... Richards is five and Lloyd is six behind Richardson and Gomes. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. All right. So the, one of the great things in lockdown is I was much less on the footy repeats, mm. but the cricket repeats. So yeah. they had all the minis of the World Series Cup days from the Triangular Series. And now, uh, is it Cricket Cr- Gold? Cricket Gold. So yeah. I've just got, got my Samsung too. TV. Oh, yeah. And the... The day it got installed, the first thing I did was go to Samsung uh, Cricket Gold and it had a West Indies-Pakistan <laughs> game in the the uniforms that had the the blocks. Yes. Um, the, so yep. green with the, the two the blue blocks, box, blocks yep. and grey with the two maroon blocks. Yes. So that, that dates it to a certain point. Um, yeah. The, the West Indies were actually dropping catches off Ian Bishop and he was very unhappy about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. So much of the nostalgia here, I think, belongs to one-day cricket and those days at the MCG in particular. Absolutely, absolutely. So to, to set the scene of this, the West Indies won the World Series Cup in those years six times, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's probably, it's almost as much as, as Australia ever won it. Um, I don't think Alan Border ever beat them. In a, so Australia never beat the West Indies in a World Series Cup finals yep. series. So that's, that's how much they dominated. Um, but a lot of that stuff, like the, a lot of the most memorable moments for me as a, as a kid, uh, ODI matches involving the West Indies in Australia. Um, and just running through a few of the, the, the iconic ones, the Steve Waugh catch. Do you oh, remember the, the, screen? the Steve Wall catch when he ran back to the side screen and took the catch, yeah. which was a, a real oh, I was there that night. Oh, you were there? Yep. Oh. I was there for a few of these, but I was there that night. Amazing. And, and that was, to me, that was actually the first summer I really got into cricket, 88, 89. And up until that point, Australia hadn't beaten the West Indies the whole summer. So I remember, I remember hearing it on the radio and just thinking... Wow. And Australia won the game. So it was this, wow, we've beaten the team. I didn't know Australia could actually beat yep. the West Indies. Yep. Um, we've got, so there was a, a tie in the final series. And this was massively confusing. Yes. So what, what happens is. Game two, wasn't game, it? Yeah, game two. West yep. Indies had won the first game. Game two finishes in a tie. One of those situations where the the single is run when it goes to the keeper, but the keeper, um, Jeff Dujon, underarms, hits the stumps run out tie. And what happened was in under the rules, under the technically under the rules, if you win the first game and you tie the second game, you've won. You have won the series. There's no third game. Um, 
Now, I think there might have been something like 80,000 people at that second game. And at the time, <laughs> I believe the ACB said, oh, no, it was a tie. So you still play the third game, which the West Indies got mightily upset about. Yep. And I think players boycotted the game. Clive Lloyd, I don't think, bothered playing. They were really upset. Anyway, they turn up the next day or whenever it was and with an understrength team. And still smash, still smash Australia to win. So, so my memory of that is it. Richie Benno had to explain to all of us what was going on because through the broadcast, uh, it was yeah. a tie was going to have the win, and then he did the tidy up at the end. And you know, well, we're back tomorrow, and I'm sure it is tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think it must have been, and and that so it caused a lot of controversy, but they still did it, yep. and then. Famous one, 92, 93 finals, World Series Cup finals, when the late Dean Jones asked Kirtley Ambrose to remove his wristbands. Yep. And not only does Kirtley run through Australia um, that night, but he spends the rest of the summer getting, getting back. At that point, Australia was sort of on top of the summer and then Ambrose completely turns around the summer and demolishes them in the, in the last test to win. I remember Seriously. we were sitting in my sister's lounge room. Um, I reckon they lived in Black Rock at the time. Yeah. On, and just, I can remember as clear as day that happening and dad was just aghast oh. knowing what was about to be unleashed. As a, as a kid, a massive Dean Jones fan, I was sitting in a caravan watching watching it, and it was like, oh, I think you might have done the wrong thing. Yes, there, Dino. Yeah. <laughs> Buyer's remorse. Yes, and then th we've spoken about this, but the Michael Bevan last ball boundary was on New Year's Day against the West Indies. Uh, so another one later period West Indies. I think they were using the shirt that I'm wearing today in that match, but that's another moment that. I think is iconic for one day cricket and the world series cup and it involves the West Indies. So this period is dominated by the gold goblets to the man of the match and the best prize cricket ever had, which was the international cricket of the year where the car would be parked in the grandstand of each venue. It was international cricket of the year. The car would be there and it was a big deal at the end of the summer who would get the car and the West Indies used to clean up. Viv Richards won it three times. <laughs> Kirtley Ambrose won it, Desmond Haynes won it. So, but it just shows how much they dominated over that. that I'm, I'm talking about a 12 to 13 year summer window there. Yep. And they were not only here all the time, they won all the time and their players were the biggest stars here as opposed to our players who <laughs> were battling along. Yeah. And the vintage of these things, that's when you had to collect your labels from Ardmona, Peaches and Pears and send away to get your packet of cricket cards. Yes. And when the seven catches of the Channel 9 commentary team would select as the classic catch of the summer, you had to go to a servo and, and pick up an entry form and then fill it in and post it off to see if you could get it in the same order as the commentary team. One day we'll have to go through all the different sponsors that, yep. used, to, that used to sponsor the cat, the classic catches or other or other things. Remember the Sid Chrome Super Test Team? Oh, the Sid Chrome Super <laughs> Test Team is criminally underrated. <laughs> And we all know two off beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun because that's how you got your McDonald's cricket poster. poster. Very good. Yes.
<laughs> oh, we're right down a rabbit hole here. Hang on, we'll just take a moment. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. We've got kindred spirits here, Shannon. Th- thanks, Nathan. A dookie sent through vivid memories of the Windies players piling into the car for Cricketer of the Year and driving around, I reckon, the Wacker. That's dookie. Yep. I think that was the Kirtley Ambrose moment. There might have been a four-wheel drive and they all, 11 players, piled into a car. Oh, so good. Uh, Daniel, Kit Kat strike rate. Yes. Uh, Jason, as an 80s child growing up with cricket, Ambrose terrified me on TV. Uh, Jason in Churnside Park, having a quick morning tea break and looking through all the 1984 West Indies players' career statistics. The mind boggles at just how remarkable, phenomenal the numbers read. Forever upset. It was well before my time. My English dad has the fondest memories watching them play. Um, Favourites. So there are icons. Favorites. Who are our favorites? Yeah, I think because because I was later in the in the period, I think my favorite all time West Indian player to watch was Curtly Ambrose, just because he was so terrifying. And it was before there was no speed guns around, so you didn't know how quick the bowlers bowled, and his sheer size and the bounce he got, and you just knew that if the moment got to him, and and like that moment when the wristbands came off. He could just turn and absolutely demolish the Australian batting like yeah. whenever we, whenever he wanted. Remember I mean, I love Brian Lara and Viv Richards is, a, is you know in another class as well. But yeah, like Kirtley was probably my favourite. I don't know. Did you have a Did you have a favourite of that period? Probably, um, probably Viv Richards, yeah. just for how phenomenally cool he was. And then when you watch back those games, how thin his bat was, but how it would still clear the boundaries. And I think I've said to you before, my favorite part of all of this now is watching the presentations, which Fox gloriously included in the minis, <laughs> yes. where Tony Gregg hands over the tray of gold goblets and Viv Richards is already in his nightclub gear <laughs> with his hat on. And then Alan Border comes in totally disheveled, <laughs> pouring in sweat. And, and now... As an adult looking at so and knowing what was going on, is he, he was ready to be out on the town as he collected his gold goblets. It's incredible. Well, well, cricket gold that there's plenty of that going on. They have every every match has as the as the so post match um, so presentations. Good. Larry Gomes is the other one. That he's, yes, he's the yeah. cult hero. Yeah. amongst the lot. And I've I've spoken to random people in in the last sort of six months who have said. Larry Gomes was my favourite. Yeah. Connoisseur's choice, Eldine Baptiste. Best name. <laughs> That's my favourite name, Eldine Baptiste. I don't, I've never heard a surname Baptiste or a first name Eldine anywhere else other than Eldine Baptiste. Yep. I, I interviewed Jeffrey Dujon recently and he told me, I said, what have you been up to, Jeff? And he said, I've just come back from Antigua and I've, I saw Surviv and I was playing golf with Eldine Baptiste. <laughs> Outstanding. So tomorrow, uh, MCG one day, it used to be December. It used mm. to be one of the social events of the summer and was a bit of a fearsome environment. Like it did deteriorate into a zoo. It was schoolies week at the MCG. Yeah. Yeah. Really. So you had to be a bit careful whether you had to be a bit choosy <laughs> as to whether you were going mm. or not. Um, and I guess that's the, that's the reminiscence of what it used to be. So you, you used to have the test. And it wasn't just one one day, but you would get the first one day, yes. which had cachet. So yeah. when I was growing up and it was the triangular series, dad would take me 
when I was really little to the neutral game. Yep. So um, New Zealand and India, Lance Cairns, popping balls for fun mm. into the stand because you could walk around and you could play your cricket on the concourse. But as we reached those years yeah. and the immensity and the, yeah. um, the certain portion of the ground that was to be avoided, unless you were of that. Unless you were there. Yeah, and yeah, plenty yeah. of you listening will have been yeah. right in the midst of that throwing ice and chickens out of your esky. And the I, I never threw ice or chickens, but I was certainly there between the ages of 15 to 17. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> and they, they were big occasions. Weren't oh, they? huge, huge. And as I said, like, like there was... There's a couple of different formats that World Series Cup. One was kind of what we're seeing now, which could happen in, in January onwards. But there was also for some years there where the ser the season was broken up and it would happen in December. And I just remember it, it used to fall in the last week of school. So it was sort of a, a red rag to a bull for, yeah. for, for teenagers to sort of go schools out for summer at the MCG and go mad. Um, Clearly, I think it's. I think we're all happy that those days are long gone. But it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd they get there tomorrow. I, I, I think the events of the week would would have you know generated interest that we wouldn't have seen last. That we wouldn't have seen last. Yeah, week. and the pity that Shamar Joseph's not yes, here. Yes. And then, out of necessity, what's happening with the Australian team? So the continuity is not quite there. Gus Logie's coming through. I knew yeah. that. I knew he would. And there's, there's a lot. Um, the Scanlon's sticker album of 83, 84. So it's really specific. There were gold foil cards, yes, yeah, silver foil cards, yes. and uh, stickers, and then your standard. Oh, I could do this for hours. Uh, there's, there's, there's probably a Scanlon's discussion somewhere along the line, maybe. Hey, scribble that down for our <laughs> yeah. Know Your History. Shannon, great to reminisce with you. Thank you, Jared. So I'll be in Vegas next week. You'll be here, and we're going to go back over the, all the different ways we've watched the Super yes. Bowl through the years and who's hosted it and that sort of thing. Looking so you're on the case. It. Looking forward to it. Great stuff. Shannon Gill, Know Your History. So much correspondence. I haven't quite done it justice, but we'll enjoy reading them as we go. Thank you. Uh, this is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on now.